told his church then, which we need to do now today, and that is hold fast his word, the word of God. He's given it to us. He's given it to uh, uh, the church, and it's for us. It's for all people on earth. And so we're to identify it, to, to be able to determine what and where the word of God is and hang on to it. Hold fast. That's what he says. They've kept the word of his patience. When we keep the word that pleases the Lord for his churches, because that's what our job is, is to identify and to, to hang on to the word of God. And he says, hang on to it. Hold that fast, which thou hast. Thank you, Lord, for this, your word. I pray that you help us to see some things in it tonight that would be a blessing to this church. Lord, I pray that in the, uh, uh, well, not so much a sermon, but uh, a gathering of um, an address, I guess you would say, to, to help us to... Uh, face some things, to, to know where we stand on certain areas and certain things tonight. Lord, I pray that you just give wisdom and direction and help me. I know that there are going to be some things that I'm going to be dealing with <clears throat> that would be um, sensitive but important. And so, Lord, I pray that you help us, help me tonight to say what I should, to refrain from saying what I should not. And, Lord, that you would just have uh, our hearts to be receptive to your word and to your instruction to us, to Wooden Valley Baptist Church here tonight. Lord, I thank you so much for this place and for the, the ability to gather and, and to uplift your word and to, and to worship you and, to, and hear songs sung that we just heard and be able to sing uh, of, of our, the love of our Savior. Lord, thank you so much for that. Lord, I pray that tonight you'd just be with us these next few moments. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> Last week, one week from tonight... We had a scientist teach us how the Bible and science agree in the way that we verify truth. He talked about the scientific method and how that uh, in uh, so many areas and circles in education today, uh, we're having our children and those that are, that are into the college university levels are taught to actually do science in a different way and that is to uh, uh, speculate about certain things and it's not observable science. If you, you remember when Dr. Carter talked about that, and there's observable science, and then there's um, verifiable science, or, or science that you could test in a test tube, in a, in a laboratory, and, and prove, and, and, uh, and uh, re-test uh, those things again to verify. And so he dealt with those things, and uh, the difference between real science, or true science, and observable science, or... Uh, or uh, Philosophical science, I guess you would say it is, through an experimental testing period. All true scientific discoveries proven by <clears throat> testing hypotheses, uh, hypotheses and verifying assumptions and theories. You got a theory, you got something that you think is right, well then you should be able to, as a scientist, you should be able to look at the real world in which we live, the, the, uh, um, the time and space and uh, physical world, and be able to test that and prove that or disprove it. With this kind of a proper definition, then evolutionary scientists really would not be able to claim their evolutionary teachings of millions and millions of years, or billions actually of years that our Earth has been in existence and our universe uh, 13.5 or 13.8 billion years ago. Uh, that, that's not really science. 
those are guesses, those are inferences, but it's, it's not provable and, and there's, there's no, you could, you could take a look at the evidence and then therefore fall one way or another, but that's really not science. It'd fall into the category of speculation or the metaphysical, actually. Where, where do we come from? What happened? How did we get here? And there's speculation of the Big Bang and everything else. It's unprovable, untestable. That's not real science. It's not true science in a, in, a, in a basic definition. It's inconsistent with current observable scientific laws. A law is not a theory. It's something that has been proven. Like, for instance, the second law of thermodynamics, which states that everything uh, runs down. Energy dissipates. Things go from uh, complex to the simple. They deteriorate. If I put an apple right here on this pulpit, you know, 10 years, 50 years, 100, 200 years, that apple would, would crumble to dust. It, it would, it would uh, uh, go from the complex to the simple. And that's the se second law of thermodynamics that deals with uh, physical things and also energy. And, um, and, and we know that. We know that to be true. It's a law. It always does. Every, in, every way, in every way, in the physical realm, we understand that to be true. And if you're a scientist and you understand those things, then you could you know, sh show that and prove it over and over and over and over again. That's just the way in which it, we, you know, things operate. But evolution actually goes contrary to this law. Not a theory, a law, which says things went from the simple to the complex, built up and and uh, not deteriorate, but they get more and more complex, more and more uh, intricate. Well, that's not, it doesn't happen in this earth, it doesn't happen in this universe, it doesn't happen with the physical laws of nature that we understand, that we have tested, you know, like that law. Everything's running down and losing energy, not the other way around. Uh, if you were to look at the, the evidences of the universe, the spinning galaxies, uh, we really couldn't be just under 14 billion years in existence because those galaxies would be blown apart by now. But they're, they're very tight, tight wound. And, and so it doesn't, it doesn't you know, uh, it's, it's not consistent with the evidence. If you're just taking a look at evidence around, then you say, wait a minute, something's wrong. The moon's orbit. The moon actually is, is uh, departing from the orbit of the Earth, what is it, a, a quarter inch a year, something like that. Not much, not much at all as, at the distance that is that, but if you go back 14 billion years, um, then no, uh, the, the, the moon would have been scraping the Earth <laughs> back then. And, it, it, you know, those kind of... Uh, facts that you've got to go back and kind of look at things, you say, well, this doesn't make sense with a, with a universe that's that old. Because it's not. Um, things like uh, the Earth's magnetic field, which is slowly deteriorating. We know that. It's provable. We've, we've tested it from the time that those kinds of tests have been uh, made by man. We know that the Earth's magnetic field is, is being lost little by little by little. And uh, maybe thousands of years old, but not a million years old. Certainly, certainly not a billion years old and not 14 billion years old. It's impossible. You can't go back that far and say, well, that's what it was like. It's just impossible to have that. 
Uh, it, it's consistent with a young earth, not a, an old earth. Um, uh, things like uh, the Earth's magnetic field, minerals in the ocean, DNA mutations in biology or human uh, 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 DNA mutations from generation to generation. Every generation will have uh, actually hundreds of uh, more mutations in our genes than our previous and from the next and next. Since we have so many uh, millions of, of uh, DNA and all of that, uh, it does, it's not, not a big deal, but you can't go back uh, more than just a few thousand years to have the amount of DNA mutations that we have today in our, in our uh, makeup. You see, that, that is consistent with a young earth, not an old earth. That's science. You know, when you take a look at the evidence and say, well, what does this, you know, if you were to just take the, the, the evidence here and say, well, uh, so how long ago did it start? And you, you take uh, facts like our DNA mutations in, in humans and animals, and you, you can't have, you know, the, the vast ages that they throw in there. The, exi the existence of hot young stars in the, in the galaxies. Uh, you can't have that. You cannot have that um, going billions and billions of years back because they don't last that long. And so God has, has created things as he has, not in a big bang, but in, in, uh, in his creation. And nonetheless, you see all of that. Um, Dr. Carter dealt with some of those things and was talking about, you know, science and how that science and the Bible actually coincide when you take a look at the evidence and, and, you, and you come to conclusions. It was, a, it was a great blessing to hear from somebody from the scientific community concerning clear and verifiable experiments that bolster our faith in the word of God. But it was not a, a sermon from the Bible as we get from most services here. Because we're used to a preacher getting up or a teacher or, or a, a Bible uh, teacher to get up here, take the word of God and, and open it up. And that's where we are and that's where we're staying, what the Bible says, and what it has to, has to say to me here with that text. And so it's, it was different. It was taking a look at science and, and what science says out there and, and that framework and saying, well, now, how does the Bible apply to that? And so, it, yeah, I agree. It was, it was different. It was not a sermon. The question is, is it necessary? Is what we heard last week or you know, dealing with any of these things, is it necessary? Is it necessary at all in the in the the society in which we live to to deal with those things and to grapple with you know uh, charges that say no no your Bible is not accurate it's 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 fairy tale it's it's not uh, according to uh, the world in which we live space and time and because we're here billions and billions of years and you say according to what the word of god says from genesis to here it's only 6000 some years under 10000 years old now what you're saying what the bible's saying is two different things and so therefore and that's the charge that's out there i mean that's the charge that most of the world believes today and it's contrary to what you believe and what i believe it's contrary to what the word of god teaches very clearly so is it necessary that we deal with these kind of things and grapple with these questions? In the book Already Gone, a few creation scientists have written this book. This was, I don't know, about 10 years ago they came out with it. It was frightening. 
If you're a parent, it's frightening because you have children that are growing up in the society in which we live in churches like this church that believes the word of God, that holds to the word of God. Those kids that grow up in a Bible-believing setting like this church, 60, uh, there's, there's different, you know, uh, um, statistics, 60 to 88% of children coming from a church like this lose their faith when they leave home. They lose their faith. I was talking to uh, Brother Horn, your son James, when he was there in the University of Washington, and asking him, so, hey, how did it go there? Because you believe the Bible, you hold to it, and, and then you went through and got the degree, and you were great, you know, flying colors, great grades and everything. This is what he said. He said, yeah, if you believe what we believe, you just have to play low. You have to, you have to kind of not, not put your head up in, in the radar because <laughs> you're going to be in big trouble from your professors and everything else, and then you're going to have a fight, and, and then it affects your grades and your future and everything because, you know, most of the, most of the, the, the world, in, especially in academia, is, is out for those of us here that believe what we do. You put, your, you put your head in the sand if you think we're not going to be facing those things or our children are not going to be facing those things. We're all going to be facing those things. We're, we're all going to be uh, right there dealing with that kind of stuff because of the, the, uh, the charges in current accepted, quote, science, which is really not science, Today, kids who come from churches like this one venture out into their surrounding world of education or employment when they're on their own, they lose their faith. And in this book, the creation science, you know, it could be anything, you know, it could be attributed to hypocrisy at home, could be attributed to whatever. But in this book, they claim that the reason is because we don't teach these things that our children are going to be facing in high school, well, middle school and high school and college and university, or, or in the real world in which we live, in academia. Because we, what, we just avoid it. It's not a problem. Hey, pastor, I know that God uh, created everything. Well, fine for you. What about your kid that comes in to... to uh, a, a situation where they've got real questions and the world says, no, the Bible is just a bunch of junk. It's, it's you know, uh, it's not accurate. You can't put your faith in it because there's so many inconsistencies. This says that God created things in six days and we know that's not true. Well, oh, do we? Do we really? To, to hear that children come out of churches like this and 60 to 88% lose their faith. I'm talking about churches like this. I'm not talking about churches that don't believe what we believe. I'm talking about churches like this one. The fact that the, 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 the stark reality is that there's a, a great uh, loss of faith. While there are scores of reasons for the failure of faith, the contention of these guys that wrote the book is that for the overwhelming majority of those who venture into unbelief, they came from churches who believed and they preached the truth, like here, but who were not overly concerned with answering questions. 
real questions where we live, like, why is there death and suffering if God is such a good God? That's a good question. Why can't people of the same sex who love each other get married? Is there, you know, you know, is, this is, now preacher, let's not talk about the Bible and about, you know, ancient and what we're talking about right now. I love this guy and I love this gal, whatever. And I, uh, what's preventing me from getting married to somebody of the, the same sex? Or isn't it better to get divorced than live unhappily? Because that's what, what society says today. You know, you got to be happy. I mean, that's the most, that's the most important thing. You got to be happy. I mean, because if you're not happy, that's, that's everything. Oh, really? You know what? Generations prior to this one didn't think that way. <laughs> there were some other things that were, you know, and, and I think they did pretty good, you know, but nonetheless, that's where we are today. Isn't it, isn't it better to be divorced and live unhappily? Or how can the earth only be a few thousand years old when it looks so old? Let me ask you something. How can Adam be looking like he's 30 or 40 or whatever, a specimen of a man? I think he was 61, actually. <laughs> but uh, how could he look old? How could he look old on day one? Because he, he didn't look like an infant. No, no. God brought Eve to him, and he says, whoa, man. <laughs> That's why she was called woman. Anyway, um, hey, you know what? That, you know, how, how is that? Well, listen, we're talking about a God that is all-powerful, that has, and, and he stated in his word, he spoke the world in, into existence because of his awesome power and ability. And we're talking about people that don't have that faith. You know, scientists are looking at that and saying, well, that's not... Why is Jesus the only way? How come dinosaurs have nothing to do with the Bible or church? Folks, these are real questions that although uh, you might not grapple with right here in church where, where we are, but they're real questions, and you better have some real answers for. <clears throat> See, these are questions that are <clears throat> the logical outplay of doubt upon the Bible from the original attack, the original attack in Genesis chapter 3, verse number 1. Now, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said? Did God say? Are you sure about that? Let's put some doubt upon God's word. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He spoke the worlds into existence. He said, let there be light, and there was light. Are you sure? And that's, that's where we are, where Satan is still asking the very same questions, especially to our young people. Hath God said ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Now, if the word of God can be doubted when it comes to the real space and time of our universe, then it can be denied just as easily as the following questions. Did God really? Yea, hath God said, did God really say that he created everything? Uh, surely science has proven that the Big Bang happened spontaneously without any outside force. That's what they're going to be hearing, and that's the doctrine that's being pushed today. Did God really say that he created the earth in six days? Surely science has proven that life evolved over millions and billions of years. Did God really say that he created life? Surely science has proven that the right chemicals in the right place over a long enough period of time will spontaneously generate living forms. 
Did God really say that he created humanity? Surely science has proven that the human race is really just a highly evolved life form that is a product of time and random chance. Did God really say he sent a worldwide flood in the time of Noah? Surely science has shown that there was never a global flood and that the fossil layers were laid down over millions of years, not by a flood. I mean, that's what's being said. That's the charge. That's the challenge. It's the same thing. Folks, it's the same thing that Satan said in the garden. Yea, hath God said. Are you sure that's... Let's, let's, put, let's put a shadow on the clarity of God's word. Oh, my goodness. We are, we are still right there. And it's the same tactic that he used back then that he's using today. We are, folks, we are kidding ourselves if we feel as though we can skirt the issues that are directly challenging our Bible and our worldview without suffering severe casualties. Like I say, sure, you might be fine. Well, preacher, I believe God made everything. One, wonderful. But we're going through a phenomenon with all parents at Wooden Valley Baptist Church, and that is called age. <laughs> that just kind of flows. You get those little babies. They're so cute. They're so wonderful. Even when they poop, they're fine. They're beautiful. You know, just everything about them. And then they get older and then they have terrible twos and then three, four, five, six, and ten. And then they get to be close to a teenager. And all of a sudden, they're not a little baby anymore. They're a little adult. <laughs> and, and they start thinking for themselves. How dare they? <laughs> but they do. I mean, that's natural. It's good. They should. <laughs> Please, they should. But hey, it happens to everybody. Our kids grow up and they become independently thinking adults. And even they begin to become adults before they fly the nest. That's the problem. <laughs> I mean, really, that's the problem is where we're, we're trying to still, you know, deal with our kids as, as non-entity, as little, you know, clay, uh, you know, models that we could just form them. And they're starting to think and think themselves. And they, they, they hear these things and these challenges. Man, they got questions. I had a, a, a young adult grandson just the other day who <clears throat> gave an evening of sincere and challenging conversation. I, was, I had to go someplace, and I was going to be on the road for many hours, and so I, I took one of my older grandsons. It was a wonderful thing. I just, you know, when you have 17 of them, you get together, and it's just one big pandemonium. Nobody gets anything done. It's one, one big headache. But, uh, you know, to, what I've got to do is just kind of pick one at a time, you know, pick them off. <laughs> and so I, I, I chose one of them. <clears throat> and I said, hey, uh, can I borrow your kid? I'm, I need somebody to keep me awake, you know. So I took him and we had, we had wonderful conversations on there, there on the way back about all kinds of stuff. About science, science fiction, I love science fiction. About aliens, life elsewhere, origins. I'm going to say something right here and right now. Pay attention, parents. Wake up. Wake up. They're dealing with things today that, you know, in a, in a conversation, and I'm just, you know, try, you know, one of, the, one of the things that a parent must learn how to do, and that is to not show 
anger or disgust or, or <laughs> danger warning signs in your face when, when your kids ask questions. You know, you can't say, oh, I can't believe you're asking that, you know, because they'd never ask another question. You know, so you just got to yeah, roll with the flow, you know, take, I'm telling you what, every kid gets to that place to where they're asking questions, real questions. <laughs> we're, we're dealing with uh, teenagers, those that are growing, and they're coming into even, you know, the liking, you know, boys and girls at this point, you know, we, 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 Listen, it's just, it's a good thing. It's wonderful. That means they'll someday get married and leave. <laughs> and, and that's natural. That's wonderful. You just, but you, you've got to be able to, to deal with where they are and, and who they are at that time. And uh, anyway, I, I, like I say, getting back to this situation, I'm, I'm talking to, to this, one of my, my grandkids that I love dearly, and inside going, Whoa, I didn't know this person was coming to these questions now already. And there were questions that were, were hard questions. Folks, I'm telling you, we better wake up. Our job is to transfer our faith to the next generation. See, theistic evolution will not do that. You know what theistic evolution is? That's where, you know, somebody who, who wants to believe in God, who wants to continue to, to hold faith, so they hang on to God on one side, and they hang on to the millions of years on the other side, and they say, well, maybe God created this world and everything in it and all the, the universe, the galaxies and everything else, and it took uh, eons and eons of time. And we call it six days, but, you know, it really means a day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day, and, you know, people continually go to that one and misapply it. And they're saying, well, maybe it's not just, you know, 24-hour little literal days, but it means a, a period of time that can't, that's not what it says. That's not what it means. And it's, it is not the teaching of the word of God. But people want to do that. And they become theistic evolutionists. Theistic, theist, God. They, they, they say God maybe used evolution the millions of years. Can't do that. You see, you might think that's a rosy path that you go down, and you might think that that's fine, and let's go down that, that pathway, but evolution, uh, the, even theistic evolution, will not do. Because if you allow one part of the Word of God to be negated, everything comes down. Everything. everything. Your whole faith comes down. Because what the Bible says here, it also says this here. Well, where do you end up there? Do we have, I wonder if we can get that. Is, is it ready? Can we do this? Okay, let's watch this. This is, this is really cool. <clears throat> Here's this guy that's in a warehouse, and I think they're, they're uh, like alcohol, all, all kinds of, look at this thing. Comes down, oh, wow, oh, wow, oh. <laughs> Every time I watch that, I go, oh, the poor guy, you know. You think he lost his job? <laughs> they had to come and, and uh, dig him out. And you know what? He was okay. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? Folks, you know what happened there is he just knocked one of the pylons off of, of the, of the uh, what do you call those things? They, they were on those shelves. It was just one. You know, the, the, 
the forklift. He didn't. He wasn't watching what he was doing. Just not one. And that made that one come down. And that made this one come down. And that one made this one come down. You see, because that's exactly what happens if we lose our faith in any one of those areas. You lose the if folks. If you lose the beginning. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 19, verse number 4, Jesus said this. He answered and said unto them, Have you not read? He which made them at the beginning, he's talking about the beginning of creation, when God made things in those six days, how he did it exactly. See, Jesus understood and he believed and he preached Genesis chapter 1. When God, at the beginning, made them male and female, and said, for this cause shall a man leave father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Listen, that is what God said back then, and Jesus quoted the scriptures, believed the scriptures, and taught them and preached that there was a beginning, and in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. That's what God says. That's what Jesus verified and if you lose the reality of that beginning of Adam and Eve, and then maybe somewhere along the line with millions and millions of years, whether it's, uh, well, first it's a worm, and then it's a frog, and then it's a whatever, and then it, it goes into a monkey, and then loses a tail, and then there's humanoids for a while. And then somewhere along the line, God says, okay, they're about ready to go. Boom, I'll make this person a man. That's not what God said. That's not what Jesus said. And Jesus was very clear about that. You lose the beginning, folks, and you lose the reality of our fallen nature and the necessity of our need for a Savior. Romans chapter 5, verse number 12. Wherefore, as by one man, who is that one man? There we go. By this one man, Adam, sin came into the world, and so death by sin, and, and then death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. The reason why we have a sinful nature is in that story. If we lose that story, if we lose that narrative, you lose the, the need for salvation itself, folks. You can't hang on to both and say, well, let's... No, no, we better be answering these questions and helping people to understand. This is not a... Uh, nonchalant. This is not a just choose your, your, your pathway kind of thing. Either it's the truth or it's not. Let's see that next one. Do you have that next? Here, here let's watch this one. And this is <laughs> similar. Oh, oh, no. We know what's coming here, but anyway, just watch. That's a big warehouse. Uh-oh, he gets one of them. Oh. 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 Oh, keep watching, keep watching. Look at this. <laughs> it keeps coming. <laughs> hey, folks, you know what happened there? He, he just knocked one pillar down. Oh, that's all it was. The whole house came down. Folks, go ahead, knock one verse out. You don't have any. See, because the same Bible that says in the beginning God created, he said, let there be light. You know what? There's also another verse in the same book that says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, because that's part of it. That is part of it. So getting back on point. We, we must hold and verify all of the Bible. Our scientific creationist friends are helping us and that's why we have them come, you know, twice a year, maybe three times a year, we'll have a speaker like that come. Uh, they, they help us arm 
arm ourselves with tools that we'll need in defense of our faith and contention of the falsehood that we're surrounded with. Jude, verse number three says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, he's just talking about salvation here, talking about the gospel. Hey, that's good. You know, you don't have just, how about just present the truth? He says, wait a minute. I'm writing about the common salvation. It's needful for me to write unto you and exhort that you should earnestly contend for the faith. It's a contention. It's a battle, folks, and we've got to be able to do both. Present the truth, but also um, combat falsehood. It's the duty of every believer to equip ourselves to reach out to those in falsehood and shine the, the, the light of the gospel to others. First Peter chapter 3, verse 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So when your kid comes to you and says, okay, well, what about this? There's stars that are out there that are millions of light years away that our scientific discoveries like Hubble and stuff we've now been able to to see out there and they are so 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 very far away it takes that means you know the light there is is the distance it's not a it's it's not the light is not talking about the light it's talking about the distance that light travels in a year 186,000 miles per second that's fast fast it takes over a million years for that light from that star, from that galaxy, to finally reach us, and now we're seeing it. So wait a minute, Mom. You're saying that we were created 6,000 years ago, and we're now seeing something that has taken millions of years to reach us? You better have an answer for that. You don't, listen, you don't have an answer for that, then you're in trouble. Your kid's in trouble. You know why? Because his faith, her faith is, is, is going to be attacked severely right there in that point. That's apologetics and giving an answer to every man that asks you a reason. You've got to have reasons. You've got to, it's got to, it's got to make sense. It's not one of these things where, well, hey, listen, just, just forget about all what you're seeing in time and space and just believe, just believe. Hey, that's not acceptable, folks. And by the way, that's not what the Bible tells us either. The Bible says that, that uh, evidence in the real world in which we live will uh, defend the word of God that, that we believe. It's apologetics. <clears throat> See, folks, I'm trying to equip all of us in the various disciplines necessary for our faith and our effectiveness of our witness. Sometimes, by the way, let me address this. Sometimes I'm going to be dealing with something that you're going to be all about. You're all for that. Um, say you have a loved one that's overtaken with pornography or alcohol, then you would have loved the series on those things here in the past when I've taken and said, okay, well, let's clear off a spot and let's deal with what the Bible says about this or whatever. If uh, you have loved ones in, uh, um, that are dealing with Calvinism, then you would have loved the series about Calvinism that we touched on last year. Uh, but possibly it's really boring if you're not concerned to reach out to anybody who is Reformed theology, your friends that are Calvinistic. If you don't have any friends like that, then, man, going through that whole thing is like, man, what in the world? This is, we got to do this in church. Well, yeah, you know why? Because it's, it's, a, it's something that we're, we're dealing with, that other people are dealing with. And so we're, we're having to, to do that. But my contention is that we'll be needing all of what's offered 
on our plate here at Wooden Valley Baptist Church. I lament to hear parents that thought it so unimportant to allow their kids to skip out on the teachings of, let's say, alcohol. You remember when I was dealing with alcohol? What does the Bible say? Is it okay to take a drink every once in a while? Or is it total abstinence? Let's see what the Bible says. We have to look at the scripture. We, yes, it was in depth. And you know what? I did. I heard some parents saying, well, you know what? Um, you know, I got good kids, and they're not you know, in that, so they don't have to come to church that night. They don't have to listen. Really? You're kidding yourself. If you think your kids are going to never get into a situation to where their friends and uh, the, the, the peer pressure around them is not going to be pushing them to get into alcohol. You think that they're going to never uh, uh, see something like that. And you think it's so unimportant enough to where you just let them. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm the shepherd here. And I am supposed to feed the sheep and bring the, the sheep to, to pasture that's good for them, that's wholesome, that's nutritious, that's something you need. I don't bring anything here that I think you don't need. When I'm preaching the word of God, it's for a reason. Because God has given me that job to bring to you something that will benefit you, that will bolster you in your faith, that will help you to uh, uh, defend against falsehood or, or against temptation or whatever out there. See, God has ordained one to be the shepherd to feed the flock, like Jeremiah 23, verse 4, and I will set up shepherds over them which shall feed them, the Bible says. But that's a pastor's job. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2, that's what he tells me, especially the pastor, feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12, and we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly for their work's sake. What do you think that work is? What do you think my work is as a pastor here at the church? That's to, to labor, to bring you what you need, what I need, what we all need here, folks, from the word of God. That's going to be a blessing. It's going to help. What do you think that work is? Hebrews 13, 17, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls. Now listen, when there's stuff out there that my kids, your kids, my grandkids, our families are being attacked with and I'm going to be addressing those things, it's because you need it. You better pay attention and just eat what's on the plate if it's a good shepherd, if it's a good church. You know, when my kids were growing up, if I just let them eat whatever they wanted to eat, It'd be nothing but cotton candy. And they'd be wonderful today, you know. No. They need some lasagna. <laughs> I'm continually trying to bring to the congregation that which is necessary, that which would help you defend your faith, starve off, stave off attack, assure believers, strengthen, encourage us in the fight. Now, let me address some things, and I, the reason why I actually brought this is because uh, what happened last week was something that was unfortunate because I dealt with Dr. Carter ahead of time and the people at CMI, and they, they understood, you know, our, what we are here is we're King James, we're, we're uh, KJV, and so I had a couple hours even before the service where I was uh, uh, speaking with Dr. Carter and said, this is who we are, this is what... So therefore, if you have a presentation with, with uh, Bible versions that are not King James, you know what? Our people are not going to respect that 
because this is who we are. This is what, you know, we, we look at that and we, you know, maybe you don't, you know, it's not a big deal to you, but it's very big to us because we're King James, you know, and, and so had the presentation and there were Bible verses that were actually not King James. <clears throat> there were new King James. You know, <laughs> let me say this. They, they, uh, he, he thought he was good. He thought he was doing right, what we asked. But New King James is actually not King James. And, you know, if you didn't know the issue, you think, well, it's the same thing. It's just good. No, it's not. It's, there's some real dangers with the New King. He doesn't know that. But you know what, folks? We didn't have him come to school us on manuscript evidence. Let me do that. I'm the pastor. I'm going to tell you what the word of God is, where it is. We're going to be aware of that kind of stuff. And, you know, we, we, should, we should have a little discernment about that. Uh, be, anyway, so, and I'm looking at this, I'm looking on the screen, I go, oh, in the world, you know. <clears throat> Our friends actually uh, used different versions of the Bible when they presented, and they, um, they were directed to use the King James, and, the, and uh, uh, like I say, they used some New King James verses. And then, I, I didn't know this, but there were some materials that were, you know, about manuscript evidence on the tables that were faulty. You know, said that the Bible is, you know, the history is this. They didn't know that. that. That's not science, folks. That's, you know, some extra stuff that came in there. I don't know which table it was. I didn't see it. I heard about it and uh, it was going to take care of it. But by that time, they were all, already gone. Um, let me say some things about that. While that junk is never okay, it's not okay. And it's not okay here for sure. I've learned to make things extremely clear and even overboard to those that are unaware, like these people, to help them to, to say, hey, this is what, you know what, that's not going to happen again. We live and learn. How about that? You know, uh, you know, saw some of that stuff and aware of that now where, listen, if, if we ever have books or whatever that want to, you know, uh, uh, promote uh, creation and things, there's sure not going to be any books about manuscript evidence because they don't know, they're upside down there. We understand that. We, we know the difference there. They, they may have had good intentions, I'll give them that, but they don't know the difference. But folks, they're not called upon for manuscript evidence. Neither was Les Garrett. You remember when Les Garrett was here? Uh, uh, he was a preacher who's now in heaven, but he was a manuscript evidence guy. He was a King James guy. If you remember when he had him you know, years ago, he came by, wow, good stuff about the King James. And he, there's nobody I knew that was as good as King James stuff as he was, but he wasn't a Baptist. You know, but, you know, ahead of time or afterwards, I'll let you guys know, hey, guys, now what he says about local church and stuff, that's not what he's here for. He's here for manuscript evidence. You need that because you need to understand your Bible and King James. And so that's why we, we had the guy here uh, because of, you know, where he was going to be helpful. And we could, be, we could benefit from those <clears throat> if we have a pinch of discernment. You know, uh, and that's why this tonight, I'm dealing with this tonight because I'm saying church, let's have some discernment where, you know, if, okay, the smoke clears and I have to explain a couple of things about, you know, last week, okay, well, this is, they were off here and there, but that's not what we're, we're in for. We were wanting some, some of these other things. So you take the good and you spit out the bad. I'll do my part to protect, and even so, we should all have a bit of discernment. I'll lead you in a clear identification of the Word of God, and that's the task of the New Testament church. 1 Timothy 3.15, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know thou how to ought to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, 
the pillar and the ground of the truth. Where are we going to find the truth? Where is that truth going to be published and recognized and, and, and distributed and preached? It's the church. That's, that's us, folks. That's what we do. And that's where we identify the word of God here. That's, and, and we're going to continue to make it clear that our position on the uncorrupted, eternal, indestructible scriptures is right here in your lap. That's a, you know, and folks, we're not going to change from that. I want to say this. I'm really glad that some very discerning members came to me and said, hey, pastor, did you know, you know what? I was not aware of some of those things, and, you know, we'll for sure take care of it. Thank the Lord that we've got some good members in this church that know the truth. Amen. Okay, let's, let's finish by looking at that verse that we started with, Revelation 3, 8. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door. Jesus said to this church, verse number 10, because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast, which thou hast. Three things, and we're done. Number one, we need to recognize the word of God. It's right here, folks. Thank the Lord. L listen to your preacher and New Testament churches down through the ages that identify the genuine word of God. By the way, that's why it's called the Textus Receptus. You know, this is the only Bible, the only current Bible on, that's uh, English Bible uh, on the market that's based on the right manuscripts, which is the Textus Receptus or the received text. You know why? Because it's been received. It's been recognized. It's been published for over uh, uh, some 1,900 years, the church has, has done its job. It's been the pillar and the ground of the truth, and you have some 5,000-plus manuscripts that are all that, that identify what that, that manuscript is, and it's right here, folks. Thank the Lord for that. So, number one, recognize the Word of God. Number two, hold to the Word of God. Genesis chapter, Revelation 3.10, we just you know, read that. He says, you're doing good to keep, hold fast, keep the word. And number three, let's properly apply the word of God. That means we take it to the front lines. We apply it where we're at, and we need to do that, folks. All right? Good.